Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. All right, folks, DSO here with another episode of the Dad Starting Over podcast. And with me today is Jude, the Divorced Dadvocate from DivorcedDadvocate.com, as well as the Divorced Dadvocate podcast. Jude, welcome. Hey, DSO. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, my pleasure. So tell us, what the hell is Divorced Dadvocate all about? What do you do exactly? All right. Well, the divorce advocate grew out of me having my own absolute case study in the most crazy, screwed up, difficult, challenging divorce. And so after about, so I've been divorced now about a little over nine years. So about uh, after about seven and a half years and in and out of court and, and I can't even tell you the amount of money. I've looked at it as, wow, this has really been an investment in my education around divorce. And so what, you know, I'm spending all of this money and I continue to spend all this money, unfortunately, but, um, well, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, what can I do with this? And so I had been already working and coaching men in masculine development and, uh, and, and I said, well, I think it would be really a good idea to niche this into helping men during and after divorce. So I created the Divorced Dad Advocate. It's kind of a play on words, right? Dad Advocate and niched it down to specifically dads going through divorce because I'm a father of three daughters. And so it's a little bit different when you're going through divorce with children as it is, as opposed to if you're just kind of breaking up. Hey, sorry, that was, you know, good try and I'll see you later. That never happens when you have a co-parent and, a, and, and children. And so I decided to create the Divorce Dadvocate community. And it's more than just me, the Divorce Dadvocate and, and coaching. We've created a community where men can come to group meetings. They can, uh, they can get education. They can get support. Uh, they can 
do classes, they can do workshops uh, as well. So we're what we're what we're creating is is something a little bit uh, a little bit bigger, a little bit grander. We're trying the the goal is to get men across the world, and I've just been amazed because that the outreach and the outpouring has been global. Once we started the podcast, it's in 60 some countries now, has been listened to or downloaded in 60 some countries and over 1600 different cities. And so weekly I have conversations with men from the Philippines or France or Great Britain or just all over the place. And it's, uh, so it's a global thing that, that men are going through and specifically dads are, are going through in uh in going through divorce so that's uh that's what led me in into this and so every day is uh, is is a learning experience and i'm able to utilize all of uh all of what uh, i've I, I have gone through and continue to go through and in, in helping uh, other men navigate those waters as well excellent excellent and we were talking before this we said uh there doesn't seem to be any shortage of oh guys that we can help and it just grows on a daily basis and it's sad it's it's good for us because we have somebody to help it's not like this is such a limited population that what the hell are we gonna no there's no shortage of stuff to do and guys to talk to when it comes to this um absolutely and yeah you know it's 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 somewhat saddening that it it divorce has become normalized right but on the flip side and and i try to reframe it in the sense that it's a really great opportunity for men to look within when they're when a when a marriage is failing and i find a lot of men and this was this was my case too although i you know for me i'm a little bit slower so it took me a little bit a little bit a little bit more time to to come to doing the self-reflection and trying to understand what's going on and why things didn't work out because we all bring something to the table and it takes two for something to work well but it also takes two for something to not work well uh also so it is a, it is a good opportunity unfortunately it's it's normalized i would i would prefer and we in in, in my work it's always the best if you can try to save a marriage and i know that you talk about things in in your books of ways in which to do that and and strategies on doing that that is always the best thing because you do not want to go to, through divorce. Nobody wants to go through divorce. And especially if you have kids, you don't want to go through divorce. It is traumatic. And that's why my my tagline is making it less traumatic. It's going to be traumatic for everybody. And if you can avoid it, if you can work through those, whatever it may be to, to avoid it, that's absolutely the best thing. But if not, then there's guys like me here to help you through the process and try to sort things out and, and get your life uh uh, in a position to have an even better one after, uh, after divorce. Very, and you just touched on something really big there about, um, for a lot of men, the trauma that they go through with this divorce, um, it gives them a reason to have a very like a big time out in life and become way more introspective and way more, what am I doing here? What's my role in this world? What are my goals? What, and it, it's sad that when we get caught up in the, what I call the machine of a relationship, kids, job, but we just completely just back burner, put it aside. And uh, when all of a sudden life says, oh, yeah, watch this, we go, oh, shit. And I guess I better kind of start looking at those things. Wouldn't it be ideal if as men we could initiate that same mindset while within a relationship? Wow, there's, there's a thought. Um, but 
Most of us don't. It's yeah. so simple just to get caught up in the machine and get lost. I know I did. And, yeah, um, well, so did I. Yeah. yeah, so did I. Everything in life takes effort, right, DSO? So your relationships, your your work, your parenting, whatever it is, takes effort. So if, and, or, or your self-care, your exercise, it seems as exercising, right? If you take a week or two weeks or, or a year off the gym, things are going to deteriorate in your body. So it's the same as in anything else in, in life. You got to just stay, uh, stay out with it. And where you focus your energy, things will, things will happen. Things will expand. So you're yeah. absolutely correct. And a lot of men see, um, you know, post, especially when you've been in a toxic relationship, a sexless marriage, et cetera, they, they see a divorce as this, yay, almost like recess time. I get to be me again and party and live up the single life. And there is an element of that in it, but I think if you play your cards right, you realize this is really hard work time. And yeah. uh, I've been neglecting a lot of hard work during these years of being married. As it, ironic as that sounds, because marriage is hard work, relationships are work. Yeah, well, try being a single dude and try exactly. and navigate the waters and everything, which is a good segue into what you and I are going to talk about today, which is the always fun topic of dating after <laughs> divorce. Oh boy. Right. Uh, oh boy. Is right. <laughs> let me start and you tell me if this was your, uh, uh, experience. I started way too soon in hindsight. Now put myself in that brain that I had then. Oh no, I'm going to have fun. Um, I have just been wronged in this marriage. Um, I suddenly feel more alive than ever in one way but I'm also traumatized. And if I'm being honest, I'm a little nutty and I'm not, not firing on all cylinders. And what better way to make me feel better than let's go out and get some attention from some women. Oh, and that's great. Yeah. That always works. Doesn't it? Um, right. what better human band aid than a woman? And that fills that void. And I look back and go, Oh geez. In fact, I, um, I'm very open about the fact that my now wife, I met way too soon. And we both acknowledge that we've met way too soon. And ironically, we both, our marriages ended pretty much the exact same time. We both started dating at the exact same time. And in hindsight, after the fact, we're like, we maybe should have waited like a year and a half more, maybe a year, year and a half more before we decided to start dating again. Because there was all kinds of little drama and emotional moments in that first year, year and a half of us dating. And obviously after eight years, that's subsided and we look back and go, what were we thinking? Well, we were hurting. Yeah. Right. And we just wanted to, to fill that void. Can you uh, attest to the same? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't just start dating. Like before, before I figured it out, I had like gone through multiple relationships until I had to say, huh, there seems to be one common denominator here. <laughs> that would be me. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and, and so you, you know, you hit it on, on the head in, in, when you said about, um, about waiting and I have a, an immense amount of respect for, for the men that, that will stop and go through this, this process and say, okay, well, what, you know, I want to analyze this. I want to, I want to see, I don't want to just, just keep perpetuating those, uh, maladaptive behaviors, if you will, that uh, continue on because they're not going to stop when you get a divorce. So when you said like, oh, you know, I'm going to get a divorce. It's going to be great. And the grass is going to be greener on the other side. It's actually not if you're not going to take the time to 
do the self-reflection. And, and, and that is, that's also reflected in this, uh, the second marriage divorce rates are even higher than, than first marriage divorce rates. The first are over 50 and then the second marriages are over 70%. Uh, and so that's just, that just shows if you haven't stopped to take the time to, to do the work and understand why you're just going to continue those behaviors. And, and, and guess what? You're going to find exactly the same women <laughs> or woman that you had before in your marriage, and you're going to perpetuate that same dynamic. And again, I'll go back to my experience, which was, I, I was a little bit different. I wanted to have the family. I've just missed the family. I just was trying to plug somebody else back into it. And guess what? I just kept plugging in the same person each time going, wow, why do I keep attracting this? Like, what is wrong? This world is terrible. There's no good women out there, da 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 mm -hmm. until I stopped and said, oh, what are these these behaviors that I'm bringing to the relationship? Uh, what is this codependent behavior, which was my big one in, uh, in, in attracting these, these women? And uh, then things started to, to start at the ship slowly. But again, I'm a really slow learner. So uh, there's a lot of men that I work with that are like on it and working hard through it and, and figure it out. And that's a much healthier way also to do it for your children because they see you going through a difficult and challenging time. And they see that you're trying to understand it instead of just perpetuating the same thing and being blind to it. So. The dating opportunity actually in uh, in dating after divorce, particularly if you have children, I've found to be a fantastic opportunity to share with my daughters about what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, the relationship, why it's going well, why we're breaking up, uh, et cetera, and give them really some insight into something that I wouldn't otherwise be able to do if I was married, right? So if you if you look at it from that perspective, I, there's no better way for me to convey to my daughters the right and the wrong ways to to be dating than dating than being out there dating. So and, and then sharing than being transparent and sharing with them about about what's happening. So I've tried to look at it from from that standpoint. While it is, although very incredibly challenging <laughs> to date. Mm -hmm. And how old are your daughters? My daughters are 15, 13, and 11. Oh wow. So they're so in those they're prime just, years of discovering boys and what all that means. Exactly. And, and so they get a front row boys, seat of watching boys, a single man boys, in action. Boys, boys, boys. Boys, boys, boys. <laughs> you know, yes. you, you touched on a phenomenon that a lot of guys that I talk to realize, which is, holy crap, I just started dating my wife all over again. Not literally, <laughs> yeah. but my wife is Karen. This is Sally. Karen and Sally are exactly the same in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a lot of men, the knee-jerk reaction after two or three bad experiences is, well, all women are just terrible. Or more specifically, yeah. all women these days are fill-in-the-blank with some bad word there. Um, when the reality is, from when you sit and talk to these men and, well, tell me your experience, you say, well, dude, um, you have a track record for ignoring a whole lot of red flags. And you, uh, in addition to that, you're putting out an energy that says, hey, world, I'm broken. Mm -hmm. And who are you going to attract? The not so, or the yeah, not so, um, the women that don't have their heads screwed on straight. And yeah. um, because the women that are well grounded will meet a quote, broken man. And after about five minutes, we'll get wide eyed and say, hey, it was a pleasure meeting you and back up slowly and go the other way. 
Um, the ones that uh, aren't so grounded say, oh, look, here's a compadre in brokenness. Hallelujah. Yep. We really click. This is awesome. Um, and a lot of men tell me, no, you don't understand. I didn't see any red flags. I put this one through the ringer. Well, tell me more. Well, I wasn't even divorced yet. Uh, my wife left me, and about a month later I met her, and right away we moved in together, and I met her kids. She met my kids. I'm like, well, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Right away, there's red flag number one, because that woman should have said, oh, you're not divorced yet? Yeah, get back in touch right. with me later when you are. So right. there's a red flag. She was just like, let's do this. Another red flag. She's ready to intertwine your lives so quickly, and you are? Yeah. This is not good. Yeah, well, right. and most of the men eventually come to the realization that maybe I should let the women rest for a little bit. And my standard yeah. line is, yeah, they're not going anywhere. Just calm down. It's not like you have a biological clock and you must, you know, procreate before you die type of thing. Most men have already done that and got the vasectomy. Yep. So, so what's your hurry? And they'll say, I just don't want to be alone. A lot of men are scared exactly. to death of being alone. That is not good. And it's not healthy. Right. Um, where do you it's think? filling a void, like you said. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I guess um, in the environment that I grew up in, my dad very much valued his alone time. And I, growing up, very much value mine as well. It is just known that dad, husband, needs his guy time, go away time. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. And sometimes, you know, my wife and we're not together and she'll say, well, what are your plans today? And I say, eh, whatever the hell I feel like. I don't know exactly. That's just, it's like, right. cool, have at it. Um, I, I don't know what the mechanism there is and why we have such a strongly, I guess, codependent is the term. A population of men out there today and what's going on. And obviously it hurts them a great deal down the road when it comes to their interpersonal relationships. Um, one thing I've pointed at in my talks is uh, lack of father figures in their life. That's very common, um, surprisingly common from what I've seen. Uh, because a lot of my talks are the men will 20 minutes of listen how horrible my situation is. And I'll sometimes have to say, let me stop you there, please. Let's just rewind the hands of time. Can you tell me about mom and dad? And then I hear horror stories. And a lot of those horror stories involve what dad? Dad took off when I was four. I, stepdad came to the picture shortly thereafter and beat me, whatever it may be. So maybe that's a, um, as a dude, maybe that's a knee-jerk way of saying, hey, men, step up. It's all our problem. I don't think that's all of it, but I think it's a big component of it. Have you seen much the same? Yeah. So what you're describing is, is exactly it. And I, I, I teach a divorce class for, for dads calling dad's divorce blueprint. And one of the first things that we talk about are what I mentioned earlier, these adaptive behaviors that we learn in our childhood. And that is maybe, um, maybe mom was narcissistic and overbearing and you learn to please mom all the time. So then you take that and which actually being, you know, adaptive behaviors are remarkable because as humans, we have just an amazing uh, capacity to adapt to any situation. We've done it over the, the millennia to be able to survive. And we do the same thing in our childhoods, or maybe you had an alcoholic parent that's, uh, that, that would come home raging or, or whatever it is. You were a parent that was uh, absent or would just take off and you had to care for yourself. We as children learn to adapt to whatever it is, and it helps us survive our childhoods. And even in the most 
um, loving and good environment where parents are conscientious, there's things that, that needs that don't get met. So you adapt to, to be able to get those needs met. And then you bring it into your adult relate your adult relationships and your adult life. And then those don't necessarily serve you anymore. Making a woman happy all of the time, like I did, you know, like I did with my mom and I'm speaking from experience there. So that was my thing, which was what made me codependent does not serve your marriage well. And so, you know, and, and so, and it, and it just depends. It depends on the man, it depends on the situation, but you hit the nail on the head with start looking back maybe to your childhood. And if you have the, the means to sit down with a coach or a therapist, which is something that I wish that I had done a lot earlier because it just would have cut the time frame. Of, but again, I'm a slow learner, cut the time frame of, oh yeah this makes sense because they can point out to you well have you thought about this or why don't you journal on this or or here's an exercise for you uh to do that so absolutely and and, and then the other point that you touched on which is our society is i call it the disneyfication of uh of the world right so it's all disney and we're gonna find the one and the one's gonna be the the best friend and the lover and their colleague and like everything to everything. It's just impossible. Mm. You just can't get that from one person. And it's mm -mm. insane. You like this whole soulmate mentality mm -hmm. and it's, it's not marriage is, is a lot different. And, and I would, I guess if there's any advice, I don't, I'm not really into giving advice, but if there's any advice that I would I'd put out there is like re reevaluate and reassess what it is that you feel is a, a relationship between a man and a woman and, and, and what you want that to be. And that can be different for different people, but really take that time to really understand what that what you want that to be in, in marriage. If you want to get if you want to get married, if you're looking to get married uh, or get remarried, really do that self-reflection around what your values are, who you are, number one. Uh, and then what it is that you want in, in a marriage and going forward, because that might be different than somebody else's uh, idea of what that is. And be clear and transparent then yeah. uh, about that. And uh, you, you hit on several really good points there. One to touch on more is the, the Disneyfication. Um, not only does that, I think, pertain to I'm going to find the one that checks all the boxes for every emotional need that I have as a human being, but also that this marriage and relationship should also be uh, relatively drama-free from now until the end of time. Um, okay. And there should be no difficulties. And I, it really surprises me how many men have relatively minor hiccups within their marriage, really any relationship, work, friendship, marriage, and, uh, oh, my God, I must stomp out this awfulness immediately. What do I do? I can't. How? In a common term or a common question I often get is, how am I supposed to deal with this? It's right. like, and uh, I, you ask these men, have you ever encountered any kind of major life drama in the past? Well, death of a family member or something like that, but nothing, like, I don't know. This has the, the drama within a relationship um, is like a special flavor of awfulness to a lot of men that they are just not equipped to handle and they don't know how. And I think that probably also goes back to lack of a strong paternal stoic figure in their life. Um sure. And you touched on another thing with the toxic uh, narcissistic mother, overbearing mother. Narcissistic may be too strong of a term. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed that's a term that's being thrown around a lot lately online and so forth. I yeah. married a, a yeah. narc. I married a narcissist. And right. it's, um, 
narcissistic personality disorder is a thing, but I don't think it's nearly as common as people think. We all have narcissistic tendencies, but full-blown narcissist is something else entirely. But anyway, um, I've spoken to a lot of men who, after listening to their story, I'm like, yeah, mom may have in fact been a, had narcissistic personality disorder, borderline or whatever. Um, But that special flavor of awfulness seems to be absent father figure. Um, He left and mom looked to me to fill the void. Mm -hmm. And I was my mom's emotional caretaker, or as I like to call it, a surrogate spouse to her. And I was her little man. And I got to hear about all the boyfriends and I got to hear about everything. And I got to hear about work and I had to soothe her. And I had to make sure I didn't walk on eggshells because mom was a real tyrant if she was pissed off. And I also, and this is always the icing on the cake, and I got to hear about how awful my dad was. Don't you dare be like your father. Right. Well, geez, can you imagine just ingesting all that as a child? Obviously, that's going to have detrimental effects on your relationships going forward. If you don't go into another one of your point, go talk to somebody about it. And what we're talking about, we're we're nodding our heads because we hear it every single day. This is not unusual. This is not something you're going to go to a therapist with and you're going to say, whoa, you blew me away. I've never heard this before. No, they're going to look at yeah. you and go, yeah, you're number six of the day. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the club, dude. <laughs> and yeah. good news is that um, we know somewhat how to address this and how to address your, your anxieties and, and your, your, um, your inadequacies in relationships. And we can really point to why you keep going down the same path again and again. Mm-hmm. Because guys, listen. If you don't take that step, that hard work, that introspection, you're going to do it again and again and again. You're going to meet your wife all over again. And yes, you're going to meet one that's going to be like, no, dude, I'm telling you, it's been two years and everything's wonderful. And then year three hits and you're like, oh, shit, here we go again. I've heard that so many times. Sometimes it doesn't come till after the, the kids show up in the picture, after some major life event, somebody loses a job, gets sick or something like that. It's usually some big giant holy shit thing that kind of uncovers uh, the inner workings of a person and how they cope with things. Um, which going, let's take the conversation to a next next direction, which is I've met somebody wonderful. Do you have? Can I make a quick? Can I make a quick comment on what you said? Yes, about, please. Um, the th- about a, you know going to a therapist and you thinking that this is you know you're the only one. That was an aha moment for me. Was when I finally got into a twelve step codependence. Uh, codependence group and sitting there and listening to everybody else say out loud what was going on in my head. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one. So for me, that was a relief. I was going, oh, this is great. I know, I know, I now know what it is. And there's actually a way in which I can go forward and heal from this and and figure this out so that I can have a healthier life because the, the other thing I wanted to comment on also that we that you said is we can just numb. Our, our society is set up to numb from the moment we wake up to the time we go to bed. So we can numb, we can ignore. And if it's feeling uncomfortable to you, it probably is something you need to address. So whether whether that's a life-altering, so hopefully it doesn't get to a life-altering uh, uh, or a life-changing situation like a divorce or something uh, bigger or an accident. but. Even pay attention to these small discomforts, these uncomfortable feelings that you might be having because they're pointing something out to you that you need to be paying attention to. And if you don't pay attention to to them, then they're going to manifest somewhere in your life somehow. 
it's going to it's going to come up in sickness. It's going to come up in accidents. And, and if he's still not paying attention, it's going to come up with something bigger. So pay attention to that stuff and, and go and get the help. And it's going to be a relief because you can start that that process of healing. So that was a that was that was a great that was a great great point because we're isolated as men so often yep. and we're siloed and we're not you know we don't have that father figure like you said. Uh, that you can go to and you can talk to and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this or this is what's going on, you know, and, and talk about it. That's one of the reasons our men's groups and I know your men's groups uh, are packed with men that just want to connect and talk about what's going on. And I think we need more and more and more of that because the unfortunate, you know, the unfortunate side effect of normalizing divorce is now that we've also uh, normalized single parenthood. Mm. And I'll just say it out loud, DSO, we're not meant to parent by ourselves. It's just not the way that it's supposed to be done. And it's no. never, it has never been, and I've always, I've, I've always been cognizant of this in, in, in my life, but it's never been more obvious to me than with teenage daughters. Because <laughs> no matter how hard I try and how, and, and like, I'm on this, right? I'm paying attention to it. I'm trying to pay attention to the feelings. I read books. I try to talk about this. We create, it just, I cannot provide the female feminine energy mm-hmm. that they need in their lives because I'm a man, I'm a dude, I'm the dad. And that's fine. But, you know, you talk about the flip side with the single motherhood. We've, we've not only just normalized this, we've like glorified it. Like, oh, this is great, and you're doing yeah, that's great, and it's not a slam on any single dads or single moms because we're all doing our best and working really hard in a situation that is probably the most challenging. But what happens then is things are gonna fall like things are gonna fall by the wayside. Like you're not gonna get the you're not gonna get the the boys that have uh, a, a well-developed masculine nature and understand their masculine energy and are comfortable with anger and then how to manage their anger or comfortable with achievements or um, uh, or or you know being a leader because they've never seen that mm-hmm. or they've been like you described told. Uh, uh, told that don't be like your dad, or like I was told, you know, you're just like all men, whatever that meant, right? But it was a derogatory thing, and and so you're just not going to get that that flip side. And again, that's why it's so important with the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, the divorce advocate community, DSO, you know, dad starting over community, to get more men involved in this because then there's some of us that. You know, even if I'm a slow learner, just slowly mm-hmm. learn some of this stuff and we can share with more and more men because it's not it's not happening and the divorce trend is not going to change. Single parenting trend is not going to change. So we've got to figure out an alternative to, to help men to get through this. You got it. And we're human beings and human beings by nature are social creatures. And we know that one of the forms of cruel punishment is uh, solitary confinement. You have no contact with other humans. And uh, so many men kind of self-impose that on themselves. Um, I'm I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with kids. I I have no time to go make friends and so forth. And they, but they still have that very real need for social interaction and to be able to bond with somebody. So what do they do? They go out and try to fight a woman. They'll make time for that. Yeah. And they put the entire weight of basically their mental health on the shoulders of these women. And yeah. voila, it does not work. It doesn't work at all. Um, 
when you are a much better and more well-rounded human being and you're going out and making friends and acquaintances and you know sharing people that you share passions with if you're into this hobby and you go find a group that uh, you'll find that you have a much uh, lesser need for that well your neediness gets dialed dialed down quite a bit and in fact, some men that I work with have found my neediness for my spouse has died down a lot. And that actually kind of concerns me. <laughs> and I say, welcome to being That's a mentally fine. healthy individual. Yeah, it was, you know, some days I don't feel like having sex. Yeah, not everyone does every single day usually. That's perfectly fine. Um, the other day I told my wife that she was not being nice and she needs to cut it out. I feel bad about it. Those type of things. Those type of things happen when you're a mentally healthy, well-rounded person. And for men, um, one great avenue to get there is just interacting with other men. Yep. And that's yep. something and Dr. that's... Yeah. Dr. Robert Glover describes it. I love his description, and I think you're familiar with him, is, mm -hmm. uh, is, is make uh, women or the woman in your life the icing on the cake. So he's like, build this, this cake, this, this life that is robust and, and, and uh, fulfilling for you. And, and that's not to deride women or anything. It's just to say, and then have somebody come alongside and be that icing on the cake to where then it's something that is like really great and delicious, but it's, it's fulfilling. It's like deep. It's something that you've built and then you can do that together. And so that, and, and you, what you just described, I hear all the time, with men that have been divorced they're like, yeah, I used to like to do this and I used to do that and this and that. And I was the same way. I was, I was guilty of all that. Stop doing the, the athletics and the fun stuff and that I had. And, and that's part of what attracted, uh, your, your ex spouse or your spouse to you in the beginning. And then you kind of let all that stuff go and you get focused and it's easy and it's not, it's not, you know, it just happens. Right. But you got, if you could stay focused on keeping that, that robust life, that, that good life, and then have somebody come alongside you with it. And then even your family, when you're, when you're in your family life and dynamic, and this is the one that, that, that makes me crazy these days, is like the world and the household does not revolve around the children. Mm -hmm. That revolves around the couple. If you're married, if you're the single dad or a single mom, it revolves around you because if that is if you're not healthy if the relationship is not healthy then the rest of it is going to be a mess and yep. so you know it's keeping the right perspective in in the whole thing yeah and yeah that uh, my wife is uh, from germany and she says that she mm -hmm. thinks america is very child obsessed and that yes. every other mother that she talks to it's just 24 7 kids 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 and they as yeah. they as women are notorious for dropping everything even their spouse and focusing right on those kids and that's it. And I hear a lot of guys saying that my life are my kids without them. I'm nothing. Um, I don't know what to do when they go to their moms three days a week. Uh, I'm lost without them. Their whole identity is, was wrapped around parenthood and that's it. That's all they got. And red flags. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it's not good. And uh, the, this, if we could encapsulate what you need to do guys into one word, I think it's mission. You need some yes. kind of mission in life. And when you have a passion, mission, purpose, whatever you want to call it, and you focus on it, it's funny how everything just kind of takes care of itself. You don't have to exactly. worry about pretending to be scarce. You don't have to worry because you are scarce. You're busy. Go, go, go. 
you don't have to worry about needy and always hanging all over your, your spouse because it's you got other things to do. You're busy and you're getting your social needs met because invariably you're going to meet other people. So it, right. for men especially, this is so important. Just find a mission. Find something that gets you going. And if you don't know what that is, well, congratulations. There's this thing called the internet. And you could also walk out your door about a novel concept and go see the world. Do whatever. And try out new stuff that makes you uncomfortable. But before we wrap it up, I wanted to, if you have some advice or experience in, with yourself or talking to others, I know what I say to folks. Um, how soon to start dating? And once you find one that you're like... Um, you know, we click, everything's going, it's been months. How soon before you take the next step? How, how long do you feel a courting process should be before you say you and me and nobody else, whether that's the form of marriage or just living together or whatever it may be. What do you think about all that? So I would say most definitely don't start dating until your divorce is final. It's just, just cleaner, not, not le even legally, but just mentally, right? You're closing a chapter that's the end, and then you can start thinking about it. So, you know, even though it's challenging to go through that time period where you might be lonely or you're trying to replace somebody or if they move, just just stop and, and be with those feelings and, and those emotions. So I would definitely say wait until after. And I say that not having followed my advice. <laughs> and so looking back going, wow, that was just really, really stupid. And, and I tell my daughters that too. So I tell everybody that like, this was not a smart thing because they saw me go through it. Right. And I said, this was not, that was not a good idea. That was not a smart, that was not a smart move, but I made a mistake. Uh, the, the next thing is take, take the time and either do therapy, coaching classes, like the dad's divorce blueprint class to go through and really because this, in, in this class, there's a great book also uh, called Rebuilding After Your Relationship Ends. Uh, also, but take that time to really assess those adaptive behaviors that have become maladaptive behaviors. And if you need to get into a 12-step group, 12-step groups are great, or in a, in a group coaching or just group meetings, take that time to really cultivate, talk to other men and, and get just a, a lay and an understanding of what's going on. Because if you were married, I was married for 11 years, dating has changed a lot. And, and no matter, so oh, yeah. you said you were, so whatever time frame, even if it's five, six, seven, eight years, it, it has just changed. So to really take that time to start talking to other men and get connected with other men, start some of your hobbies first, start building that life first before you start dating in. and that doesn't mean that maybe you want to go out on dates and you can go out on dates just be cognizant and open about what you're doing like i'm just getting back into the dating i just want to go out i just want to you know have a female presence you know with me and and you're gonna you're gonna find and, and what i found is there's a lot of women on the other side that are going through much of the same stuff in in albeit a different way but they're still having some of the same stuff they're still like oh i might be testing the waters or I might be, or I might not have done the work myself yet, or I don't know. So if you're transparent, transparency is a really big thing. If you're transparent about what you're doing, that's okay. But I would say until you've really done that work, and, and there's no time frame because it depends on who you are. Like when I got into the 12 steps, I did the, the whole thing in three months. Like I, like it was two hours a day and I just put it in my schedule, blocked it out. And I was like on a mission to fix myself, right? Which, you know, now I've come to realize that 
that's a, that's a never ending thing, right? It's going to just, I'm going to, to the day I die. But, you know, it depends on how much effort you're putting in, you know, how much therapy you might be doing or groups or, or what you're doing to heal. So I don't know that there's a time frame, but I feel that there is a time frame once you do start dating in the process for dating. And I'll, and I'll give another book. I love, I love to read. So um, I read all of these, these books and that's like, again, I'm, I'm, None of this stuff. I'm, I'm I'm brilliant enough to come up with myself, but I, I read a lot and I try to convey as much of this information to as many people as possible. But uh, Sean Smith has a book and it's called The Tactical Guide to Women. And he talks in there, uh, the first half of the book about what we basically was talking about this whole time, doing the work on yourself and understanding yourself and knowing your values and beliefs. But then he talks about the second half, which is which is taking the time to date, go through that that process of dating for a period of time like and he says at least a year to date until you really get to know because somebody can fake it for a little while or they can cover up kind of those red flags or hide those red flags for for a period of time but once you've been around them and you've gone through the seasons with them that's another phrase if you go through mm -hmm. the seasons or mm -hmm. go through the holidays with them and and you, you're going to kind of see really what they're about and then you can also see what your dynamic is and if you're comfortable with that and if you know what it is that that you want, like we talked about in the beginning, uh, what you want from a relationship, then you're gonna you're gonna know if you want to take that to the next level and to the next step of saying, well, I would like this to be a committed relationship, and and then let's start moving in in that direction. After I don't know seven months or a year, once you know that it's somebody that you can envision yourself doing that with, and. I think that's what happens, and, I, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, is like getting into that committed relationship right away because oftentimes women are like, well, I want to lock it down and I want to you know, do this as soon as possible because <laughs> if he if he's, you know, starts to see all this craziness come out, then he's going to be gone, right? Yeah. And, and that's not all. I'm just being facetious. But um, um, you know, take that, that time and then commit to something – that could potentially be long-term after maybe a year and then take that year to two to, to year two to really see if you can blend that those lives together, right? Have that, that person come in as the icing in your cake and, and, and be part of your life. If you have children, that becomes even more of a delicate dance that you have to, sure to yeah. figure out as well. So especially, especially if you have children really be, just slow in the process and take your time in the process and it might be painfully difficult and you're most almost guaranteed to get a buttload of pressure from the woman on yes. wanting to move it faster and yeah. just be be just just strong about not moving it faster than you I, feel um, comfortable i take things a step further and i tell men your divorce is done give women a rest period for about a year and I sure. think that's when it's the, the whole introspection and working through all your emotions and everything else, simply because what you just mentioned, uh, you're going to get pressured. You're gonna, and sometimes that pressure is escalated even to the point of, I'm ready to have babies. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman who just got divorced, oh. and yeah. um, my clock is ticking, and you seem to be good enough. Let's go. And if you're a man who still has those codependent you know, um, inklings, uh, tendencies, and... Um, you don't want to let this one go because she makes you feel better than you felt. And you don't know how long, like how many men are like, okay, yeah, you can move in. Yeah. yeah okay. 
we can start trying to have a baby. Yeah, okay. And then a year or so later, they come to me and say, what in the hell was I thinking? Um, yeah. I say, you just started way too soon, dude. You weren't ready. And uh, she smelled that a mile away. And she said, here's yeah. one I can put my hooks in. And yeah. uh, congratulations, you met your wife all over again. Yeah. So ideally, give it a good year. Nobody listens to that. Everybody, you know, we need that social connection. Men are sexual creatures, most part, for the most part. And um, they have needs. And if you have a little bit of looks and charm about you, oh boy, it's easier than ever just to get on your app and say, I need to meet somebody next Wednesday and boom, it's done. You're like, well, that was easy. But you talk, you talk about how things have changed in the dating world. Uh, I was married for 15 years, was with her for over 20 and talk about totally different world. My goodness. Yeah. It's just alien. Like what? This is, it's this casual and it's this. Yeah. And that was actually kind of disturbing to me at first. And that was... You take my very pliable and traumatized brain and then throw it into that deep into the pool. And I was just like, holy shit, what is this? I don't like it. It's all nutty. And in other words, I wasn't ready for it at all. Right. And um, yeah, I got, I, I was roadkill on the dating highway there for a while. It was, there was, <laughs> yeah. it was just crazy after crazy after crazy, which, and this sounds nihilistic on my part, when guys are like, uh, most of, or all women are like this, I say, no. But I'm kind of going to play Mr. Asshole here and say probably most of them are. Um, Not everyone is cut out for this long-term monogamous one-on-one relationship, if that's, in fact, as a man what you're after. Not everybody's wired for that. And they may say they are. They may want it more than anything, but they don't have the skills, the know-how, the tools to make it work. They just don't. And that may be in the the form of craziness, whatever that means. the baggage that they bring to the table, whatever. And you discover that one after the other, after the other. And eventually you find one, that, oh, she's got the tools. Let's see if we can make this work. And um, cross your fingers, that happens. But if it doesn't, that's okay. And right. until you have that mindset, if it doesn't, that's okay. Oof, be careful. Be really, really yeah. careful. Because it can get... Yeah, exactly. Because you've got to find the one that has done the work. In, and that's rare. In, and you have had to have done the work too. So you really need to be the person that you want on the other end yourself before you can go look for somebody that that is is what you ideally want. And then it's going to take through it's an, it's an effort, right? It's an effort yep. sorting through all of them, you know, and 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 this sounds crass, but you you're, you're just sort you're sorting through, right? You're sorting through just like like anything making a selection any other way to see if that's somebody that's going to fit. And we don't do that. I think we probably spend more time planning our vacations or buying a car than we do in our our dating life. Sometimes. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. It's crazy. It's really crazy. And, and, and we ignore, like if the car was like wobbling and like shaking, we'd be, Oh yeah, there's something wrong. I'm going to take it to the mechanic, but we ignore that stuff in our, in our dating life, yep. and when when we do that, we do it at our own at our own peril because we're fearful, right? So, yeah, you're, I agree with you a hundred percent. Absolutely, I think that's a perfect cap to this because I have to run. I have a coaching call. So Excellent. one more time, Jude, the divorced dadvocate, divorceddadvocate.com, and look for the divorced dadvocate on uh, anywhere the podcasts are. Right, absolutely. And, uh, check them out, Jude. Yeah. Thank you so much, buddy. 
DSL, I appreciate it. And if I could just offer one thing out to, yes, to please. your audience that uh, if they are uh, contemplating divorce or going through divorce, I have a divorce quiz on the website at thedivorcedadvocate.com. And it's a great tool to help them kind of assess where they're at compared to other people that have gone through divorce. So it just it will kick out just a, a, a report that will help them assess where they're at. So everything that we just talked about in uh, in divorce or contemplating divorce, it, it will help them through that. Excellent. So it's, uh, they can go to thedivorcequiz.com or go oh, cool. to divorcedadvocates.com uh, and click on Divorce Quiz tab, and uh, hopefully that will help some folks out. Perfect. Excellent. Because guys listening, you are not alone. There's a lot of help out there for you. You just got to raise your hand and say, a little help over here. And guys like Jude, will uh, they have a lot of resources to uh, help you get over the hump because it ain't Absolutely. easy. All right, Jude. Thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a good one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.